Let's just pray. Father, we do ask that you guide us through this passage, that we might see more of you, and that you might open our eyes to who you are and who we are. And we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. You know, I, I read through Paul's letter to the Colossians, and I thought that um, maybe over the past next few weeks, we could have a look at Paul's letter. And we could do that together here on a Sunday morning. Now, this week, sometimes it's very busy, isn't it? You, you've got things going on. And, uh, Thursday morning, okay, I've got a head full of ideas. I've got a few scratch notes, which is how I sort of do things. And I had this feeling, where do I start? You know, where, where do we begin as, as we look at this passage together? And Stella, she won't mind me saying this, but she brought me up a cup of coffee. And it's always welcome to see a cup of coffee when you're feeling like that. And in the cup, it's got a text on it. Now, I've seen this text loads of times, but as I picked my coffee cup up like that, I'm sitting there thinking, oh, I'm going to look down. And I read the text. It's from Isaiah, Isaiah 31. This is what it said. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. And you know, those words were an encouragement. So I turned to Isaiah chapter 40. And I read through Isaiah chapter 40. And I came to the verse previous to that verse that we've just looked at, verse 31. And verse 30 said, Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. We do, don't we? Because we're all human. And you put those verses together. Even youths go tired and weary. Young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. So I've got that in my mind now. And I'm still thinking of Colossians. And it led me to think about the writer of Colossians, Paul. Paul wrote this letter to the Colossians. And listen to what he says in this letter. And it's here in chapter 1. And this is what he said about the Lord. He says in verse 18. And he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. So that in everything he might have the supremacy. This is actually the key verse from Paul's letter to the Colossian church. It's a verse to remind them that their hope is not in themselves. It is not in other people and what other people say. Their hope is in the supremacy of the one who is Jesus. Now, let, let's take a, a little bit of license here. And let's just put the words of Isaiah to the words of Paul. I think we can do that, you know. Um, and this is what you get. Our hope is in the Lord. In everything that he might have the supremacy. Get that? In everything. The good times and the bad times. So I'm thinking about these things. I'm still not sure where to start. And I do a lot of that, you know. 
sit and think, <laughs> it works, you should try it. Especially if somebody brings you a cup of coffee. <laughs> so do it. But here's my question, the question I want to ask this morning. And this is it. Why did Paul, this great man, why did Paul, who at the time of writing this letter, is 1,300 miles away in a prison in Rome, why should he bother to write this letter to a church in the city of Colossae, a city that, as far as we know, he'd never actually been to. A city that was once the centre of international trade, but by this time, apparently historians tell us that the status of what you might call a small town. You know, its trade had reduced. Its wealth had reduced. A place that Paul had never visited and a church that he hadn't established. Why write the letter? Why bother? It's one of our failings, isn't it? You think, uh, I'll do it later. Or, uh, and then you get to the point where you say, well, how can we bother now? Well, here's Paul. He bothered. And he wrote this letter. And as we read this letter, these questions as to why he did it will be answered. But before we look at that, I want us to go back about 10 years or so prior to this letter being written by Paul. And I want us to think about one or two things. In order to do this, we're going to go back to Acts 19 now. You need to turn to it. I just want us to look at this as we get a feel for why Paul wrote this letter. And what was the purpose of it? And how is God working? Because this is God at work. It's not just about Paul. It's not just about the church of Colossae. It's about God at work in the life of Paul and in the church of Colossae. So in Acts 19, Paul arrives at the city of Ephesus. Ephesus is about 120 miles away from Colossae. Fair distance when you're probably going to have to walk or ride a donkey. That's probably why he never went there. And he was in Colossae for around about three years. Now, when Paul arrived in the city, in Ephesus, sorry, about three years, when he arrived in the city of Ephesus, he met some Jews. Now, these Jews that he met, they responded to John the Baptist's teaching about the need of repentance as preparation for the arrival of the promised Messiah. Now, we're thinking of a time that's after the death and resurrection of Jesus, but these Jewish people here in Ephesus are still, they've only got John's message, his message of repentance, so that you're ready to meet the Messiah. And when Paul arrives, he meets these people, and what does he do? He shares the good news of who Jesus is, that the promise has been fulfilled, the Messiah has been, the Messiah lived, he did miraculous things, he did things only God could do, he claimed to be God himself, then he was taken, he was killed in Jerusalem, crucified as a criminal, but he rose again the third day, and we've seen him. And these Jews, they responded to the gospel. They knew what John the Baptist had said. And they had been in the process of repenting in preparation for the Messiah. And now they know who the Messiah is. This must have been a great encouragement for Paul. 
He arrives at this big city, this great city of Ephesus. There's quite a big Jewish community there, but he meets these particular Jews. And he shares the gospel, and they respond. And he began to teach them and lead them, and they would get together. And in those days, very often, some of the new early Christians would meet in the synagogue. As in the days of the apostles, they would meet in the courts of the temple. You know, that's where they met. So Paul is greatly encouraged because of that. Paul is a Jew. He loves the Jewish people. He loves his people. Where does he go? He goes to the synagogue. And he spent three months in the synagogue teaching the Jews in Ephesus. Now, Paul was taught by the greatest teacher of his day, a teacher that you can read about in our history books. So Paul had the best teaching about the scriptures. He was taught by Gamaliel. Look that up, that name, Gamaliel. He was famous. And Paul, before he became a Christian, was Pharisaical. He was a Pharisee. He was practicing as a Pharisee. He knew the, the, the scriptures. And he spent three months teaching the Jews in Ephesus about the Messiah. And you know what? They refused to believe him. And not only did they refuse to believe him, but what they did, they ridiculed the gospel. And in ridiculing the gospel, they were ridiculing Jesus. This is now a great disappointment for Paul. Oh, everything seems to be going well. Jewish people, we know about John the Baptist. Jewish people have responded to the gospel. Let's get in the synagogue. Ah, oh, let's teach them. Let's sit down. Day after day would have been there, opening the scriptures. The scriptures that they knew, teaching about their Messiah. But they reject him. And they reject the gospel. So what did Paul do? No, what he did. He got himself together. Paul was a tent maker by trade. And very often he would earn money by his trade. He'd probably do it at certain hours in the day. But he went and he hired. This is great. He went and he hired the local meeting hall. What he did then is, for two years, in this meeting hall, along with those Jews who were faithful to the gospel, he taught the scriptures to both Jew and Gentile, and he did it for two years. What was the result of this? Why bother? What's happened to him? Oh, everything went great and then everything went wrong. So let's get out of here. Let's go and do something else. No. Paul said, I'm staying. I know what I'll do. I'll go and hire a public meeting hall. And I'll go where learned people go to discuss and to look at philosophy and look at all education, look at different things. I'm going to take the gospel and I'm going to preach the gospel. And he did that for two years. What was the result? Okay, this is where we were starting to tie this in with his letter to the Colossians. Because in Acts 19, this is what we read, and this is great. It says, this went on for two years. 
so that all the Jews and the Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of God, not just in Ephesus, but in Asia. They heard the word of God. Why? Because Paul was in Ephesus, because he spent two years in a local meeting hall preaching the gospel, and the gospel went out. Did Paul go to Colossae? No, he didn't. One of those good things that came out of that was that there was a man from Colossae in Ephesus, probably doing business. He must have heard Paul preach. And his name, he is, is Epaphras. And Epaphras goes back home to Colossae. And what does he do? He takes the gospel with him. And the result being, a church is built in Colossae. Why? Because Paul preached the gospel in Ephesus, a man from 120 miles away doing business in Ephesus heard the gospel, went back to his own city, which is now just really a glorified town. But he shares the gospel, and other people respond, and so the church at Colossae is established. So you see the importance of this. This is one of the reasons Paul wrote his letter. And Epaphras, that man, is another one of the reasons why Paul wrote his letter. So let's just briefly have a look at this first chapter. Colossians 1, verse 1 and 2. I've headed over this little section. Uh, acceptance. You know, it's good to be accepted, isn't it? Do you very often feel left out? You don't feel included? And you just want to be accepted. So Paul, he doesn't know these people. And, and in, theirs, in their eyes, he's the great apostle Paul who was preaching the gospel some years back in Ephesus, who established churches. But he's writing this letter to these people with open arms. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, and by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to God's people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. Paul the Apostle brings these great words of acceptance, these words of inclusion to the people who've never met him. And he refers to them as brothers and sisters, reminding them that they are all part of the same family, God's church, as we are. And we too need to be reminded of this. Verse 3 to 8. I've titled this Words of Appreciation. That's another thing, isn't it? Not just to be accepted, you like to be appreciated. <laughs> Sometimes you feel as though you're not appreciated. You know, it might be you're doing things, and you might be even at home, you might wash all the dishes, and nobody notices. And you say, I washed the dishes, and somebody says, yeah, I know I did, you know you did. <laughs> Come on, just, just give me some appreciation, just say, oh, I see you washed the dishes, thanks for that. Yeah. We all like that, don't we? we need that. And we need that as individuals, we need that as a church. And this church at Colossi needed that, and later in the letter you see why. And this is what he says in verse 3 to 8. We always, oh, this is great, this is appreciation. 
We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you. Wow, he's praying for us. Why? Because he's head of their faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that they have for all God's people. The faith and love that sprang from the hope stored up in you. In other words, God was working in your life. You didn't need me, Paul, the apostles to come. God was at work in your life. Let us come to you in the same way the gospel is being bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world. That would also make them feel at one with the gospel, with the rest of the world. Just as it's been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood what? God's grace. How does Paul show his appreciation? Well, he tells us. He thanks God for them. He prays for them. He's heard about the faith that they have in Jesus. And he's heard of the love that they have for other people. Wow. They didn't realise that that great man Paul knew all this. I bet there were a few chests puffed out there as it was being read. Wow. He knows about us. And the gospel's been growing here. And it's growing throughout the world. And we're all part of it. And then he says in verse 7, you learned it from Epaphras. Ah, you all know Epaphras. And what does Paul say about him? <clears throat> Our dear fellow servant who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf. There's the connection. And who also told us of your love in the Spirit. And there's how Paul knows all about them, Epaphras. Paul preached the gospel of Ephesus. Those who responded to Paul's words, like Epaphras, were just as important as Paul. Did you get that? They were just as important as Paul. They were only there listening. Epaphras was just passing through. Probably got business on his mind. He's got to get back home. You know, will the trains be running? <laughs> Not in his day, but you know what I mean. And he probably drifted in and what's going on in here? And Paul preaches and then Epaphras goes away. Paul preached the gospel in Ephesus. Epaphras responded to Paul's words as others would. And they go and take the gospel with them. So back to Acts 9 verse 10. This is how because of Paul, preached the gospel in Ephesus. All the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of God. You look on the map and see. Here's just an aside. The churches that we're looking at in Revelation were there in Asia. There's another link for us in our Bible study. But this is what I want to bring out this morning. No matter how we feel about how unimportant we are as a believer. We carry an important message. Do you get that? You might feel like a nobody. You might feel really unimportant. But you've taken Jesus as your saviour. You've responded to the gospel. And you carry that message with you. Just like your pastor did. 
You've heard it before from little acorns, mighty oak trees grow. You might feel like a little acorn. <laughs> you might stay like a little acorn. But you know, mighty things can grow. Verse 9 to 14. Perseverance in prayer. That's the heading of these few verses. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. What is the reason for perseverance? Why does he tell them to persevere? Well, he goes on in verse 10. So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good way, growing in the knowledge of God. So the results of perseverance for the Christian are this being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. See the togetherness there? See the encouragement there? And he goes on for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. So what do you get? Or what are these people getting from their perseverance? Perseverance as believers in what is a difficult place to live for them? It would have been opposition. What did they get? Well, Paul tells them. They were strengthened, they were made joyful, they were rescued, they were redeemed, and they were forgiven. 15 through to 20, very quickly. The importance of who Jesus is. What I'll do here, I want to let Paul speak for himself. And I'm going to read these few verses, and as I do, you think about the importance of who Jesus is. That's what he's telling these people. They need to be reminded of this because of what he's got to say later, because of the little problems they're having there in this church at Colossae. The sun is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He's in control. He's in control of all these things, thrones, powers, rulers, authorities, these things that these people are coming up against. Verse 7 is, before all things and in him, all things hold together. So God is at work, even though you might not know it. He's holding things together. And then we get that verse, which is the key verse in the whole of this letter. And he is the head of the body, the church. That's who you are. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. That's who he is. So that in everything he might have the supremacy. The supremacy of who Christ is. And us, like these people in Colossae, need to be aware of that. Paul goes on, for God has pleasure. God, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, that is Jesus. And through him, again, that is Jesus, to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And that's the peace that these people in Colossae have through their times of trouble. 
once you were alienated. This is how they were before they knew Jesus as their Savior. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he's reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and that you've been proclaiming to every creature in the heaven, and of which I, Paul, have come, become a servant. So the words of encouragement there from Paul. Just move quickly through these final verses. Verse 24 to 27. Not only will Paul encourage them, but he will also be encouraged by them. It's a two-way street. Encouragement. You encourage, and encouragement will return. Paul said, now I rejoice. Where is he? He's in prison. He's home. It's been about ten years since... This church was established and set up, and this church, not knowing that Paul really knows all about them. Now I rejoice in what I'm suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, which is the church. So he's speaking to them, because he's already reminded them of that. And I have become its servant, so he's their servant, by the commission God gave me to present you the word of God in its fullness and he's going to do this in his letter the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations but is now disclosed in the Lord's people to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of his majesty which is Christ in you the hope of glory and finally final few verses these words are important. These people need to hear these words. They need to hear all the words of the letter, but these words in particular because of things that he's going to say to them later on in the letter. He is the one we proclaim, administering and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. They needed to be fully majority of Christ. They needed to be ready to face the so-called world's wisdom and attack it with God's wisdom. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Remember the key verse? Verse 18. This is who he is. And he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. So that in everything we might have supremacy. So there we have it from Paul the man. Paul, the man who could say, in all things, God works together for the glory of those who love him. Good things and the bad things. And Paul had that in his life. And what did he do? When he was knocked down, he got up dusted himself off and went forward where did he get his strength from he tells us time and time again in his weakness 
His strength is in the Lord. And that's the encouragement for us this morning.